Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Body Wrappers' Angela Luzio is delighted to sponsor this episode of Conversations on Dance. Body Wrappers' Angela Luzio is known for its fine, total stretch tights and Angela Luzio shoes. Tyler Peck, principal dancer with the New York City Ballet, is its spokesperson and designer of Tyler Peck Designs for Premiere. Tyler's beautiful, original leotard designs fit perfectly, are ideal for class, rehearsal, or performance, and move well with the body and won't ride up in the back. Body Wrappers makes additional apparel for all types of dance and significant to dance teachers this time of year, Body Wrapper's Performance Wear Remix for competition and recital consists of various components one can mix and match to create a unique costume that you won't see anywhere else. You may view all the products at bodywrappers.com or to purchase Body Wrapper's Performance Wear Remix items, go to your favorite local dance retailer shop or online store. To view and buy the entire collection of Tyler Peck designs, go to dancewearcorner.com. This episode is brought to you by the Kennedy Center. I'm Rebecca King Ferraro. And I'm Michael Breeden, and you're listening to Conversations on Dance. Two weeks ago, we were in Washington, D.C. to cover a busy weekend of ballet at the Kennedy Center. We arrived on Friday night just in time to watch an exceptional performance entitled Demo, Jerome Robbins, an American Dance Genius. These demo programs are curated by former New York City Ballet Principal, Artistic Director of the Vail Dance Festival, and incoming President of Juilliard, Damien Wetzel. Damien hosted the evening, which gave audiences an educational, behind-the-scenes look at working with Jerome Robbins and dancing his ballets. He brought five New York City ballet dancers with him to demonstrate multiple excerpts from Robbins' ballets. Tyler Engel, Tyler Peck, Unity Phelan, Amar Ramazar, and Daniel Albrecht. Damien's wife and former New York City Ballet principal herself, and also a former Conversations on Dance guest, Heather Watts, was a special guest for the evening. The dancers were clad in rehearsal attire, the stage was bare, with the exception of a few bars to constitute sets, organized on stage, just as they are in the studios for rehearsals. The evening started with Robin's first work, Fancy Free, and moved in mainly chronological order to include his Broadway work, his return to New York City Ballet in 1969, and his interest in choreographing to Chopin's music. 
One highlight of the evening was when Miss Watts coached Miss Peck in Afternoon of a Fun. The evening included so much history, details, and background on these ballets that we invited Damien and Tyler Peck to join us the next day for a debrief of the performance. Thank you guys, uh, Damien and Tyler, both for being here. Uh, I know it's a busy weekend for you, but we're so happy that you were able to join us uh, on some of your free time. Excellent. Great to be with you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so last night was the opening night for Demo, Jerome Robbins' American Dance Genius here at the Kennedy Center, a program celebrating Jerome Robbins' legacy during his centennial year. So Damien, you said last night that this is your 32nd year at the Kennedy Center. And Tyler, the theater also has many special memories for you. So what is it about this theater and the audiences here in D.C. that sets it apart from other places that you performed? Well, for me, it, it you know, the the location you know you're in you're in uh, an extraordinary city uh, that has uh, a history that is all about progress uh, or I have to say it or should be uh, or in an idealistic way the Great American Project is one of you know iterative change in a progressive direction that we become ever closer to that arc of justice and in as much as we're still uh, experiencing an extraordinarily challenging time in this country. Uh, even this moment coming to this center, it's grounding to say this is the uh, home named for one of our great leaders who had a belief in that American project. Uh, and that is very special. It is different. Uh, it is a different feeling. And then we all have our stories. You know, the first times we were here, I remember mm -hmm. the first time I walked down the long kind of colonnade. I remember, you know, Lincoln Kirstein seeing him coming from New York to see the City Valley season. This was 1985. Uh, I remember Jerry arriving, Robbins, you know, we were dancing four seasons, I think, and came across the stage and, you know, greeted us as he always did. Hey, baby, how are you doing? You know, and there we were. And uh, it just was, it's just a, a lot, so many special memories here. Yeah. Tyler, for you? And for me, I think it's, you know, New York City Ballet, we don't travel to the same place very often. And so it, it already felt sort of special to come here because we come, you know, every every year once a week. And then three years ago, I did Little Dancer here for two months. Right. So I like actually lived here yeah. and I got to know the city and I just kind of fell in love with it. And like we were talking about the people here at the Kennedy Center are so amazing and welcoming. It literally feels like my second home. Like every time I come here, I'm always so excited when I walk up those stairs to come. And, you know, we've been using the Eisenhower stage door, which is that was the stage that I performed right. on right. so you know i'm always running into the wardrobe people and all the backstage crew and also you know everybody here last night at the demo they just kept saying oh my god little dancer we're subscribers it's one of our favorite things we've ever seen what's that you know so it just feels really special for me to be here and you know i think damien and i danced here together too yeah we did, did. you yeah, did you dance do you uh, we did carousel uh, -huh. uh oh. and uh, it was towards the end of my career and i was lucky enough to uh, Tyler really was my last partner and just, you know, made those last years really special. And so our ongoing partnership, yeah. our project, uh, <laughs> you know, has deep roots and in this place as well. So the program last night was uh, an intimate uh, sort of look at the points of departure, the coaching process, and uh, the thought process behind nearly a dozen Robin's works. Um, evening began with a particularly close look at Fancy Free, which both of you are intimately familiar with. Um, 
Jerry choreographed this. It was one of his. It was his first ballet. Um, so, how do you think that this shaped the work to come? You know, it's uh, you have to begin at the beginning, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, fancy free as far as you know, an actual produced uh, ballet, which was his first, because he had done other work, you know, in various ways before, but this was his first ballet, his real mm-hmm. debut. Brought together all of these aspects of Robbins that you know we recognize now: the building of character through choreography, primarily. You know that these 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 dancers, whether it's uh, a sailor from Wichita, Kansas, as we heard last night, that was Tyler Angles, you know his his locus, uh, or uh, a young woman, you know, on her way home from work, perhaps. You know, we can talk about who Tyler is when she is it does the ballet. Uh, but Jerry was building that into the steps. It was into the work in a, in a very uh, economical and effective way, and that uh, you know you think you can make up for things sometimes when you're in, in a, in a, in a role, mm-hmm. you know what I mean by that? It's like, mm-hmm. you can think, Oh, I can put more energy here. Jerry was much more efficient than that. Actually it's in the, it's in the part. So then it's up to us actually to fill it to its, right. to its appropriate uh, place. So when uh, Tyler first did the, the ballet was with me uh, and we worked on it together and uh, we talked through all of that and it's really become, you know, that, that method of Jerry's of knowing who you are in something uh, was very much, I mean, it's funny that we're sitting here talking about it because that's what we did mm-hmm. from the beginning. You know, all of our yeah. ballets that we danced together were about, well, who are we? Who, what are we doing here? Why would we do that? You know, what are we thinking? What are we actually trying to say? We'd vocalize, yeah. you know, the sky is opening. Uh, when she, yeah. you know, she'd come under my arm and carousel and look and just say, well, what are we doing here? Oh, the sky is opening up and, mm-hmm. you know, life is different than it was the moment before. Uh, and that's all from Jerry. That's all Robbins. So you, you felt like you could carry over that sort of method into ballets that weren't Robbins. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's so great. Well, that's what I always thought about with, with him. It was so interesting. Over the years that I worked um, with him, many of the things that I remember actually were not even about his ballets. You know, he'd come backstage and he'd talk about that Mr. Balanchine's ballets. He'd come talk to me about Prodigal. He'd talk to me about Tchaikovsky Potida, you know, and it would be something that was a different angle on it that, uh, than I was thinking before. Mm-hmm. So you were talking about the two of you dancing this together. Tyler, you were very young when you did this. It was one of, was it your first Robin's work that you had done? No, because she'd done Opus Jazz. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I remember always asking him, like, why did, where did you see me and why did you want to dance with me? Uh-huh. And he was like, he remembered me in Opus Jazz doing this little move, right, with That's my arms right. forward and we kind of like shimmy our, our legs. And <laughs> I was even a run-on. Like I didn't really? even have, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was in the wing. I was on stage left uh, warming up for I don't know what and Opus Jazz was on. And, you know, it's a good ballet to warm up to. It's, yeah. it's really perfect, actually. And I started watching, and I was watching Tyler, and I was just like, wow. And it was, the, so it was the shimmy step, but it was also those uh, three couples. Oh, yeah. We yeah, that's right. And you put your arm out, and she just did just the subtlest little kind of shoulder shimmy. And I thought, who is that? What is going on out there? And uh, I went home, and I said to Heather, oh, my God, this girl. I, mean, I think I, you know, I just really want to see if we can find a way to work together. Yeah. So then what was the process like from there? Did you kind of request maybe that you would work with her in Fancy totally. Free? Or- yeah. well, um, well, I mean, I think the first thing was Carousel. Okay. Uh, so okay. I talked to Chris, I remember, and uh, uh, at that point, Alexandra Ancinelli, the original uh, with me in that ballet, was uh, had left the company and moved to London at that point, I guess. Uh, so I needed a partner. And 
I said, I think I'd love to do that with Tyler Pack. And uh, Chris was like, really, Dame? And I said, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be great. Um, so we went in the room, started working on it, talked about it. I can still picture you walking down the hallway. I was probably very, so nervous. Just ready. She stretched her little back, got herself together. Um, and then we taught ourselves, I taught her carousel, essentially, just uh, step by step by step. Uh, and then the rest sort of came more naturally. Then we started to dance together uh, in that. We did uh, Fancy Free occurred and then American Fancy in Paris, Paris and right till my last performance, which was Sinatra, uh, Sweet and Vale, uh, which, uh, that's right. you know, so I'm very familiar with this idea of introducing Tyler to new things. Yeah. And that's what uh, you do in Vale. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I mean, just that's a constant thing. So what's next? Yeah. yeah. What is that like, Tyler, as a young dancer to dance in a retirement show with someone that you've worked with for quite some time and then to share this the stage in such a special moment and a special celebration? Well, for me, I think it was I, I couldn't believe he was actually going like I didn't know how, you know, I don't know. I think I was 18, maybe. I think you were 18, yeah. When he retired. Right. And I was like, how does it go up from here? Like, I don't know if I'm ever, and especially those ballets I did with him, it's really hard for me to do them with other people. Yeah. Um, like, Carousel just, you know, just never feels right. And I am so specific because I know exactly how I want it to feel. Um, and so I thought, oh, my God, like, Please don't go. <laughs> but also, I remember when the casting came out and I saw I was doing Fancy Years Retirement, I, I didn't quite believe it. But also, I remember, and then I watched Prodigal and the Wings, and there's that picture of me, and I'm, like, sitting there, and he's doing, like, the last part. But I, I don't know. It was so special for me, and I think in a way it kind of started my career off in a way that, like, I, I never would have had before. And I'd learned so much when I was so young in the company that things that I don't think I would have learned had I not danced with him right. um so I don't know it was like the best part <laughs> so Tyler you never had the chance to work with Jerry unfortunately but how do you as um that sort of first generation that didn't have that one-on-one -on -one coaching with him how do you uh, maintain the integrity of the works? Is it just through listening to people like Damien or other people who did uh, work one-on-one -on -one with Jerry? Yeah, I think, you know, that like how they say, like, tell your kids. I think that, <laughs> I that, yeah. But for us, that's the only way that we really know the work. I mean, I remember when we were talking about Fancy Free, I was like, oh my God, what are we doing? This is, I'm so embarrassed. I don't really know. <laughs> I mean, it got very comfortable very fast. Yeah. But at the beginning, I was like, okay, yeah, I guess I do have to think about every single, you know, what, what's going on. And mm -hmm. I do think it carries over into other ballets. And, you know, that helps me then when I did dances and other dances, which I think I also did very young. And I didn't feel like I quite fit in in a way um i don't know why but um i think having had worked hmm. with you and well and I, I mean i i remember those first rehearsals i was with you for we did a bunch and then i i asked heather to come and she used that phrase which she still does you know she said you know we we're here to see your peckness yeah. <laughs> and that was Tyler was like 17 she's like really <laughs> but and I, I remember kind of saying yeah we're insisting on it actually that's that's actually the point right <laughs> that it not be just correct or something like that yeah so there was this great breakdown of fancy free last night and you got really into the specifics of each character 
how specific was Jerry for ballets that weren't character driven explicitly like that? Oh, like for dances, was it similar or very similar? It's just a very different frame. That's Mm -hmm. all. I mean, he was, so I was lucky enough. He taught, uh, me, uh, and Peter Bull and Jeff Edwards at the same same rehearsal, mm-hmm. the first solo from Dances. And I always look back on that um, as just, I mean, it was like, boy, I wish there had been a camera in the room because it was crazy. So first of all, we were at the old SAB. We were in Juilliard mm-hmm. uh, on the third floor. And yet we knew we were moving. So we were moving to the Rose Building, which was just being built. So this was the place that all of us had you know, been to school, essentially. But we knew we weren't going to be walking in those rooms anymore anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we already have that kind of mood going a little bit. Right. And then Jerry says, so you walk out and you take stock of a place. Maybe you haven't been there in a long time. And I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is getting really you know, crossing over right away. Uh-huh. Right. And I don't think he was thinking about it that way. He was just doing what he, what he believed. And he, so he talked about the idea that you're in a place that you haven't been and you take stock of it and you remember what it felt like to be there. And then you slowly kind of start the dance, but it's all in that framework of revisiting and never performing and never, it's just like, it's happening to you. You're in this room. And I always imagine that because SAB uh, then and now has high windows that maybe the audience is just up there in those apartment buildings with the windows and they're happening to look in, Mm -hmm. but it is not about people at your eye level or anything Mm -hmm. like that. It's just, you're in a room doing that. And I took that with me right from there to 2008 when I retired and I would, you know, that curtain would go up, walk out on the stage. I'd be like back in SAB. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was so specific is right. what I mean. It wasn't no character. It wasn't like, you know, this is who you are, but it was a, a person in a place. Right. right. Yeah. I think it's interesting because we hear so much that Balanchine, for example, never gave that sort of specific thing that didn't really offer this impetus. He kind of okay, let dancers, right, right. He let dancers kind of find it for themselves. And then this stark contrast to Jerry being so specific. So how do you think that that affects the way that people coach his, these ballets now, the Balanchine coaches versus people who coach Robin's work? That's interesting. So I didn't have the uh, opportunity to work with Mr. Balanchine. So I, I had Mr. Robbins. Tyler has to probably should answer this one as someone who had neither right. and has to, is the, the listener on this. Uh, I mean, I think that, I mean, I find the, the passing on of Mr. Balanchine's work also to be very specific, frankly. It's just a different form of specificity. It's not quite as method, if you will. You know, it's not, it's a different thing. But, you know, it's uh, very linked to music. If you're if you're listening, <laughs> it's all about the music, uh, and uh, so there's a different form of specificity. But I mean, Tyler, I picture you, you know, like being coached on like by Heather on Robbins and Balanchine all the time, just back and forth and back and forth. It still just come down to your peckness in some way, but it's different frames, I guess. Yeah, I think I I I said that actually to Tyler Engel last night backstage. I said. God, like when you were saying about how, and Heather said every little thing that Jerome Robbins like said, he had something like he would never say it doesn't matter. Or something. No, it all mattered. Yeah. <clears throat> and I said to him, so him and Balanchine must have been like completely different, meaning like Balanchine kind of let the dancers sort of kind of take, I mean, I don't know because I wasn't there, but that's just from what I hear. Sure. And Robbins was a little bit more specific. But for me, I just like hearing it all and then taking it and then like figuring out what works for me. So I, I love getting specific 
in any, you know, Balanchine or Robbins. And I think that that's how we learn. That's how we find the ballets and how we, you know, dancers who didn't meet them. That's how we know them right. is through hearing those, you know, little things and things that I think maybe people don't think matters. But just having that little idea in the back of your head changes the way you do a step so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's sorry. Go ahead. No, I was, uh, I was going to talk about another element that was interesting to us last night watching the performance. That the sort of coaching by narration. I didn't know I that, love that that was. Yeah, I said yeah. I think Heather should just be on stage with me all the time, talking to me as I'm doing my solos all the time. <laughs> Like that, you want an earpiece? Yeah. yeah. Well, we're just, I'm just so used to that with her. Like, I think yeah. she's like, I think any other dancer would probably want to like kill me, but I like, like it so much and it doesn't, but like, I just am mm-hmm. so used you seem to, to it. respond well. Yeah. yeah. I said, you should just always come on and we'll just yeah. do it together. Yeah. <laughs> but that you said was something that Jerry would do, right? Well, yeah. I mean, he really would. I mean, he was involved in a sense i mean i I was doing that a lot in fancy because there's so much in it there's just uh, every second is has has a reference right and he would just spout out those references you know buildings you know 9 10 11 12 you know and who's that what's over there you know just like around the corner and you'd like be just throwing out these references to you as uh prompts essentially um and you know what i also picture when i was when i was doing that and then talking about it was how much he enjoyed it and he really would enjoy the, the being in his own work, which I think is an interesting thing. I mean, yeah. it's just sort of, uh, I don't know. You know, there was, it wasn't, it wasn't, certainly wasn't shy. It also wasn't uh, self-deprecating. It was kind of, you know, this moment of pure kind of involvement where, you know, he'd laugh. And I did that a little bit last night with other dances where he'd kind of puff himself up and da 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 and he'd, he'd want to kind of share in the in the feeling right. and transmit it to make sure that we got it you know and same thing in fawn you know just you know always going at the mirror touching the mirror you know just you know just like trying to what it's cold you know and he'd like be feeling like what that is mm-hmm. you know make sure that we we were feeling it too you said last night even that he would sometimes start variations for you mm-hmm. and kind of demonstrate that. You showed a there was a video last night of him coaching you in Fancy Free and Yeah, and starting getting, the variation. Yeah, and getting so hands on with you, like to a point where it was no, 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 wrong, wrong. And then like he would take your body and move it. So was that something that was always happening happening with him? Kind of that like so hands on approach. You know, Yes. You know, I I would never say always, you know, he would get up and just kind of try it on for size a little bit. Right. And say, isn't it a little like, you know, and then next thing you know, he's sort of doing it mm-hmm. uh, and, and, you know, getting us in the in the same framework as him. Uh, and that was in, in all of his stuff, I think. Right. Yeah. So, Tyler, last night there was a particularly entrancing part of the evening for us that, um, that you've already brought up where Heather was coaching you step by step through mm-hmm. Afternoon of a Fawn. <clears throat> Uh, can you take us through what she was telling you? Yeah. Um, I And also, you know, the talking while you're doing it, I think what better way than to like be sitting afterwards and talking about the steps, but to actually be listening to what she's saying mm-hmm. and to have these thoughts go through your head and, you know, hear the thoughts that she's saying while you're doing the steps. Like there's no better way to like really get into the work than mm-hmm. to do it at the same time is how I, I kind of think. And, you know, I really... She, it was so specific. It's like, you know, 
oh, how are these point shoes feeling at this point? Oh, I have this. I, I'm going to walk into the room. Oh, I think they look okay, you know? Oh, there's my ribbon. Then I go down and maybe I see it again in the mirror. I have to fix it. And then, mm -hmm. you know, talking about being young and youthful and, you know, my hair just being like, you know, nicely washed. And then, you know, you, you see that this guy is there and you think, oh my God, how long has he been wa there watching me? And... I love hearing her say all these things as I'm doing it because it really does change, I think, the way that you do it for sure. Um, but I, I really like doing it as I'm doing it mm -hmm. and not just talking about it afterwards, like, you know, letting the rehearsal go. And then it, it just feels very different. That's like kind of the way I learned Fond. It is. Remember? It is pretty much the same way. I mean, I was thinking about it, listening to you talk and, and hearing you guys I'm very used to this. So this doesn't, yeah. this, I'm like, oh, of course, this is what we do. Right, right. But, you know, it's a little like a conductor. Mm -hmm. You know, the orchestra, every player has the music, mm -hmm. but the conductor is is telling them the nuance and the frame and, and, right. and urging them in different directions within that, within those steps. Mm -hmm. So Tyler knows the steps, but she's being told at the same moment, you know, things that are just sparking her imagination and different right. parts of her brain. And then it translates down to the, what she's doing. Mm -hmm. It was so great to see that as an audience member last night. Like you did it beautifully the first time. Loved it. It was great. <laughs> no. And then the second time, um, Heather was doing this narration that you just took us through. And it gave us a deeper understanding. I and mean, it could tell that it was sparking something new and different in you. And that was what was so special about last night. I thought it was just so great to see that. And as dancers, I mean, even still, like we, there was so much to learn from last night and enjoy. I'm wondering, do you guys think, I mean... You saw this for the first time. So how is this different in your minds from, you know, a choreographer who's working in the room? I think we're quite used to the idea of someone right. who's making something is telling you as you're doing mm -hmm. the new phrase or whatever, yeah. what they want you to know. Right. Whereas this is obviously an established masterpiece and it's being, right. is that what it is? Because it's not so unusual with a choreographer to right. start right. doing all this. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, and I think that um, it's really interesting to sort of dispel any myth that there might be about New York City Ballet from that era that, you know, dancer, you know, the don't think just do became for people that didn't understand the deeper meaning behind that. Oh, those dancers aren't putting anything beyond steps on that. Mm. There's personalities aren't encouraged. But if you listen to Heather or Suzanne or Allegra, any of those ballerinas had entire worlds or Edward mm -hmm. Bellella, when you read his yeah. book, you know, that you always had an entire world and so many different points of departure. So I think that's a great thing to um, to give to your audience too, to know that it, there are so many levels there. Yeah. I always think about that as, you know, the, the, that phrase, you know, and aphorisms get, they, they spin off into the, into the world, mm -hmm. you know, and there's a, there's an aphorism about, you know, dead men are convenient heroes. They, they, mm -hmm. you know, they can't come back and tell you what they really oh. meant, or, you know, <laughs> for every little thing. Right. And there is a real truth to that. Don't think, don't uh, just do, which is all about getting out of your own way. Right. That's what that is. Just get out of your way. Don't stop, you know, don't cloud don't your head with so much stuff that you're not going to, you know, you're never going right. to do the do the thing, actually, mm -hmm. or in the way. At least that's what I always thought. But the way to get there is to have already kind of made this whole world that you can actually live in. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, that you're not still trying to build the world while you're out mm -hmm. there. Right. You know, you're, you're actually in it and then you can experience it and be there. That's what I always thought about that. And so it's... Uh, that's a real oversimplification, obviously, when, when people think that it's just, you know, some sort of technocratic Literal, thing. Yeah. 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 And I think that we were mentioning last night when we were talking that 
the evening just felt like what it's like to be in the studios, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's just something that the audience doesn't see. They see the finished product and there's so much that goes into it ahead of time. So it's so great to see that. And I, I mean, the audience was loving it last night. They were well, so... that's the whole point. That's what demo was meant to be. And same right. thing at Up Close in Vail, um, which was built on another centennial anniversary on Bernstein uh, mm-hmm. and his open rehearsals. So he had the concert for young people, but he also had uh, Thursday night rehearsals where the audience would be paying audience would come and watch him rehearse the orchestra and he'd turn around and talk to them about what he was doing. And then the next day they could come and see the, the, the actual, you know, just traditional concert. Uh, And I always thought, Oh my God, that just is so much better. It's just like going to a museum with a great artist, you know, you're going to get under this, get into it and watch him turn it over. And Bernstein was such a, uh, extraordinary, um, educator, you know, the way he would describe things was so nuanced and rich and the language and the whole thing. And it was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. So I thought, uh, I really wanted to do that, which was the impetus behind demo demo here has actually become, I don't know, it's kind of many things you've done a bunch of these and they're like, sometimes they celebrate an idea. Right. I mean, we started with the theme of time and we did all these different works from all types of disciplines that related to time, some some very literally and some very uh, just kind of in the air, like vaguely, right. uh, whereas or, or celebrating, you know, uh, a form song and dance we did last spring. Uh, and now this was more a demo that was celebrating a legacy. Yeah. Right. right. Can you tell us a little bit about the one you'll be doing in March here at the Kennedy Center? Sure. So that's part of, they have a new uh, festival called Direct Currents, um, which I understood to be about, you know, the currents of time and how they mm-hmm. relate to this particular moment and about, you know, the new to some extent. Right. So I thought um, I'd build a program of pieces that have not been seen here, first of all. I thought, okay, so do something yeah. that's new, not necessarily world premieres. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're going to do some of the new works that uh, have been created in Vail over the last years. Uh, and then we're going to do, uh, uh, some new music and, you know, just kind of build together a program that's all about mm-hmm. that idea. Oh, yeah. sounds great. Everyone should go see that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we will return to our conversation with Damien and Tyler in a moment, but first we want to talk about our sponsor, FabFitFun. FabFitFun is a subscription box that offers full-size beauty, fashion, fitness, tech, and lifestyle products. The box is seasonal, so it comes out four times per year. And right now, they are taking pre-orders for their winter box. Every winter box is going to include Kate Somerville's Exfolicate, which is valued at $75, and a BB Dakota Poncho, which is an ultra-cozy knit accessory that is perfect to layer over your favorite warm-weather pieces. There's going to be over $300 worth of goodies in this box, and now we are offering our listeners $10 off their first order. So you can get $300 worth of merchandise for only $39.99. To order your winter box now, visit conversationsondancepod.com slash fabfitfun. So um, it would be easy enough. There's uh, such a well of um, masterful works in Jerry's ballet uh, work, but you also made reference to his musical theater work. And I think uh, that was so important. Obviously, that was a huge part of who he was. How did that influence his work uh, at New York City Ballet and elsewhere after he came back from Broadway? Well, you know, sometimes it's the literal sense. I mean, we started by talking about Fancy Free and, you know, Fancy Free, as everybody knows, is, you know, was the precursor on the town. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's just this direct relation between dancing a ballet like Fancy Free and being, you know, in a a musical theater production. It's like, it is. Essentially, you are. The only difference is you're not singing Mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, uh, you know, there are no lines per se. But, you know, that was a direct 
correlation. Uh, and for many of us, that was, uh, you know, first experiences, things like that. Mm-hmm. Same thing with West Side Story Suite, obviously, it's a literal thing. But to me, it's about motivation. Mm-hmm. It's in the works, it's like we talked about with dances, and that permeated pretty much pretty much all of it. Being in a ballet like Fawn, you know, is like, it's a theater piece, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. fully en- en- encompassing work. And, you know, I would, I would argue that it should all be. <laughs> but, you know, Jerry had a specific focus about it and the way he uh, approached things um, was very much uh, putting things into frameworks about, you know, where we were and how we related to other things, including the audience, which we didn't relate to most of the time. You know, there was mm-hmm. like, don't want to do that. But that's still, that is a relation, mm-hmm. you know, and he was, he was engrossed in that. Whereas, you know, I'd go in and work on rubies. I wasn't, really thinking about that so much right. Right. I was, it was so there's a difference between one room to the other uh wherever you were in the in the in the house uh so he brought that all with him mm-hmm. is the point yeah. and also that he also brought it's such a big world and what's interesting is of course balancing did a lot of broadway too right, right. you know mm-hmm. so it's not like but it's and, and i think that when we look at who cares for instance we can instantly see you know he's right. bringing lots of stuff from from his time in that just was was a part of his uh kind of his person, you know, that, that, that was important to him as well. Jerry brought it from a different place. Uh, and he, you know, I don't know, just the whole world, that world of Broadway was very present with Jerry. You know, I remember going to see him talk on the panel about West side and it was like, Oh my God, this is crazy. You know, Sondheim and Arthur Lawrence and Jerry and Lenny and just like, it's a whole nother thing. Right. You know? Did he ever, sort of contradict that general idea of not being performative? Did he ever give you a moment where he was like, this is actually for the audience? Uh, well, yeah, but without saying that, right. um, I mean, it would be built into certain works choreographically, you know, that here's the beat, essentially. You know, here's where here's where you, you hold back and then you, you hit it. Right. And that's very meant to play on how the audience is, you know, where you've taken them and then you go. Right. So there's that going on. And, you know, I don't know, I'm thinking about something in old, I'm old fashioned came to mind just now, but you know, like moments when it really was, uh, now we're performing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, for them. But, you know, again, it wasn't quite as literal as that, I think. Right. Um, I feel like a lot of his stuff is kind of about that. And like what you were saying about, like not showing, I was thinking about the Broadway crossover. And I feel like, you know, with actors, they're constantly, you're just constantly just listening to the other actor and working off of that. And I feel like that's exactly what his ballets are, like listening to your partner and the other people that are in the space. Wait, wait. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I don't really feel that way necessarily with Balanchine ballets. Right. Well, Jerry literally did say, play the scene, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he literally would say that in the rehearsal and not just in Fancy Free. You know, right. it was right. like... uh you know, these one thing didn't happen with another. And if this person didn't say their line, then the whole thing was shot. Yeah. Right. And it was like yeah. the concert, for instance, you know, right. all of that. He would coach that and coach that and just to, to the timing, you know. And, you know, that's an example where we would play to the audience at certain moments, concert, right. you know, where they, they, right. suddenly the, <laughs> the ballerina's left holding the fake hand and, you know, is looking and, you know, all of that. There's yeah. like all of those things going on that are very directed to the idea that there is an audience. But there is an audience because it's a concert. Right. Right. And she's at the concert. Mm-hmm. So there's by necessity, there's an audience. And then right. the pianist walks out and acknowledges said audience. So um, I knew there was something in the back of my mind to answer that other question. Uh, <laughs> but but yes, that 
what Tyler said is exactly right, that it's de- we're dependent mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, in a different way, in the theater kind of sense uh, that he created. Right. Yeah. So uh, the evening ended with three Chopin works by Robbins. Um, why do you think that Chopin spoke to him? He's, you know, it's not bouncing, to my knowledge, never used Chopin. Do you think that that was a good marriage to the idea of um, relating to one another versus doing something so performative? That's interesting. I don't know, uh, you know, exactly by any means, but it obviously spoke to him in a way that he found it accessible to kind of embroider, to take people and make scenes that, you know, just spooling them out one after another to that music. Um, You know, Limon did uh, mazurkas to Chopin 10 years before, maybe. uh, And Tyler's actually danced uh, Mm -hmm. some of those. And that's an interesting thing to see another choreographer, an extraordinary choreographer, Jose Lamon, having his take on it. And again, it's something about community. I think that that is a through line in in, in Chopin <laughs> to some extent. Um, and Lamon did his after, I guess, being on tour in, in Poland, and he said he dedicated it to the Polish people. And there was something in that that uh, really spoke to the idea of here are dancers and they come together and they are going to do what they do or something, you know. And uh, Jerry just felt those. But again, what I said last night, which is, you know, I revisited recently reading something Misha wrote in an interview about other dances being very specifically Russian as opposed to dances, which was, you know, clearly not, you know, folk references, folk this, that, the other. What do you think? You've danced both. I didn't dance Mazurka, so I don't know. Um, Yeah, I think also, I feel always with Robbins that there's this sense of like, you know, you guys always say like he loved maybe it to look a little marked or like Mm. you're doing it as, you know, you're thinking of these steps as you're doing them. And I think somehow the music to me kind of sounds like that. Like, I don't know, it lends itself to kind of finding the Reticence career. Sense yeah, I don't it. know. No, I think you're right. I think that it does it is that and he certainly did want it to be have a marked quality. Mm-hmm. Um but not too much, you know. I mean that was his <laughs> over, you know, his his, you know, kind of casting, oh, ballet no. casting over the during the rehearsal would be take it easy, easy. Oh, I can't see it. You know, like, wait, you know, like finding that balance. Yeah. Um but of course that is what it is. It's like finding it is, is if it was easy, we'd all just do it, you know? Um, but thinking about them just musically and you think about that first solo, just da di dum dum da dum ba dum ba dum ba dum It's meant to be marked in a sense. It's not meant to be done. Yeah, it's And sounds... it's in there, yeah. you know. And there's a there's a sense of pause and stop and start and and we experimented a little bit with that um with the the third of the Chopin dances that Tyler Angle learned at short notice. Mm-hmm. Um which is a great opportunity to kind of revisit it because suddenly you have to you know, I always think about teaching, you know, you don't know what you think until you actually have to say it. And you think you know, but when you finally say it. So we were talking to him about you know where it's sharp and where there's pause and where there isn't. And, you know, Tyler Peck, of course, you know, who is a musician <laughs> of, of, the, of the dance, you have an instinctive sense of that always. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that's a really good observation. I think it's about that. It's in there. Uh, the marked, the potential to mark is in the music. Yeah. And how, you know, he doesn't like you to walk on the music. Right. That was something that honestly was a little difficult for me to learn mm. yeah. because I feel like the music is so like in me that when, you know, 
We were, I was learning dances for the first time, and I think the hardest part for me was three sisters, mm-hmm. which is nothing. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, it, doing yeah. nothing is sometimes harder. Oh my and god! That was what, like, Remember the beginning of me. other dances? <laughs> Just the, the walking out on other dances. He would do that again and again and again because he did not want us to walk on the da 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 and people just instinctively our bodies just mm-hmm. kind of like you know zombies we just like do 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 he's like no off the music but still get there at the end you're like mm-hmm. oh, okay wait and just like <laughs> da da and you're, you know you're trying to you know then you should end up syncopating it uh-huh. and it's like wait what am I doing but I remember we talked about that a lot yeah it's a useful thing and, and you can and, use it in every ballet but I yeah. feel like that you know that was definitely the hardest part for me, which is not the hardest technical part of the ballet that I do as Pink Girl for sure. Mm-hmm. But you know, when you're when I was super young in the company, to do nothing felt very strange. Yeah, and to walk off the music, I'm like, why are we walking off the music when we can walk on it? <laughs> like you know. But now I totally understand it, and sometimes I feel very strange. Mm-hmm. Now if I do have to walk on the music, because I think. Why this is so redundant, <laughs> you know? I thought it was interesting last night talking a little bit about technique in that way, about the ability to do things. So there's one level, so what, what Tyler said just now is so right. It's much harder to do something like that than it is maybe to achieve a technical difficulty. Right. Um, but then there was the idea that there was space within the Robbins works, and especially during that period of time, and I'm thinking of kind of like 1965 to 85 sort of, um, notice I cut off right as my career started, um, <laughs> that there are extraordinary leaps being made in technique. Um, and, but it's not the traditional technique. If anything, kind of the more old-fashioned thing, like we talked about with Interplay, the four double tours in a row for the boys, almost became more difficult in that time. Yeah. Right. As people became more refined or more emphasis on refinement, it wasn't quite as easy to find a guy who could just kind of throw down and do four double tours, right, you know, right. just was not. Yeah. And it was funny. It was like, it was so hard for us. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you know, we're in Stanley Williams class and it's both the men and the women are working on the idea of what, what a sophisticated footwork is. What is that? What does it mean to releve onto, onto point, not toe point? Mm-hmm. And you know what that, that, and Jerry was right there with it in those dances, becoming more and more sophisticated uh, to a to just a place that it was uh, you know we'd never imagined before, um, and he left the space for that. I mean, it's interesting. I don't wouldn't say that Jerry drove it. It was more that it it, it was there to be done within those works. That you know you wouldn't you you'd know that you were kind of blurting if you didn't. You know, it just was there. It was became, it was like there was a, a an emphasis on the quiet. An emphasis on the lack of preparation, emphasis on the things that really define sophistication. Something I thought was interesting that you just brought up, uh, the difference between dances at a gathering and other dances, that other dances is decidedly Russian and uh, dances at a gathering is not, which makes me um, think of the idea that clearly other dances was influenced by Misha and Natasha Makarova because it was made on them. But Robbins often doesn't get as much notice for, say, um, imbuing his works with the talents of his originators. It was more he had an idea and you had to find your way into that idea. But do you think that he would still use his dancers in in that way, take someone's specific qualities and put them into the work? Well, I mean, I think he did. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
you know, it was confusing in some ways if you look at, you know, historically, because Jerry would often create ballets on people who then weren't the, the originals, so to speak. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, like whole ballets were made on people who then would teach it to the person who did the the, the premiere. Right. So you kind of don't know where it came from. Right. This is sort of what I said last night that he would, you know, in a, in a way there was an ideal person mm-hmm. that maybe was a conglomeration of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my experience, uh, I was in two new Robbins works, um, Quiet City and Ive Songs. And he was absolutely drawing on everything that he had in front of him in the room and how he was trying to make it. And I think Heather would, you know, be able to expand a lot on that because she, um, worked a lot with him in both ways, like as the person who premiered and as the person who did the work with him in the room. Uh, and he was looking for, you know, what was possible. And that had everything to do with what was in front of him. So one thing that we touched on earlier is um, how he didn't want his dancers to play to the audience. He wanted it to be more like, uh, Tyler, you said last night, more about humanity and, and being together in a sense of community, which I feel like really comes across in Dances at a Gathering especially. So how does that make, that element of it, make Dancing Robin's Ballets a unique experience from a dancer's perspective? I think just because it's it's different every single time because you're not, I mean, not that the Balanchines aren't, but I remember so vividly like doing my first dance at a gathering and walking on the stage and just the piano playing for my first potata and with Tyler. And I thought, it is so quiet out here. Like <laughs> I was so aware of that there was something out there. And I immediately like said okay just do it like we've been doing it in rehearsal and I think that's kind of just how he wanted it to be which was like okay I'm just gonna enjoy being with Tyler and not listen to like how quiet it is and just be really in the moment and I think that you know just getting to simply like walk around in the last movement and getting to you know nothing's set you're just walking around you you stop you look at who you feel at that moment and you know you find something different in the ballets every single time Mm -hmm. and I think that there's something so special about really being inside of the work instead of you know just yeah, knowing that you're performing for someone. And I think that that really is something that I feel very much more in Robin's works than in anyone else's. I think I try to carry it over into other people's, but it's sort of built into his work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't feel like I get the sense of community as much in other things. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like when I would do Dewdrop, Heather would say, you have to envision what the flowers are doing. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to know what's going on around you so that you can then like be that person so it does carry over but I do feel like in his ballets it's more you know evident and I feel it the presence of it more um, than any other I mean one thing I was thinking about listening to you Tyler is that uh, in Jerry's ballets uh, he had a group of people that became his usual dancers his usual suspects Uh, and often his ballets are there are groups or three couples or you know things that within and i remember in the previous robin's anniversary so i guess it was uh 90 i think it was 1990 or 1991 we did a robin's celebration and we did two weeks of robin's works and you know there are a lot of costumes on the racks <laughs> in certain rooms. Uh, yeah. And, you know, we'd be, I remember it was like me, Jock, and, and Robbie LaFosse. 
whether it was Goldberg, you know, okay, what are we wearing today? Dances, I'm old fashioned, you know, uh, fancy free, slightly different configurations. Um, but we all were kind of a part of uh, a group that kept kind of changing. And yet we were in this together. It was really interesting. We were talking about um, Goldberg last night. Tyler was sharing a funny story that, you know, there was a slight musical <laughs> altercation and suddenly they were rushing. And I remember that moment, like we were all finally ready to go and we come walking out of the back wing and three couples in the second section of Goldberg. And again, another form, it's almost like a, a kaleidoscope that kind of does this and then suddenly there it is. And there's Jerry's picture of this one and does this and then that one. And, you know, uh, and then over time people would change roles and, it would take on a different thing. I mean, it was just so fascinating. And the other thing I'd say is that Jerry was always sort of watching. I think Heather described him that way. as like watching from the corner of class. And I remember that too. I remember the first time he watched me in class. He came on a Saturday morning and watched me in Crammy's class at SAB. And he just sort of was there and just quiet, kind of watching, cocked his head, you know, and mm. things. And then always had something truly in, in, interesting to say later uh, about what he was watching. But Within his ballets, there are watchers as well. People are watching, you know, dances, you know, people stand on the side and they watch and then this happens. I've songs, uh, the central, there's a guy who, I guess, you know, we can say who he represents, you can, you know, whatever, but he's off on the side, often watching his life go by. So it's Ives, I think, or it's Jerry, you know, and it's, uh, mm -hmm. there's something in that that is really a special kind of opportunity to inhabit. You get to do this. I mean, that's what I always think about when um, when I think about whether I miss dancing is that I miss getting to do that. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, just to wrap up, um, why is it important, Damien, to you that the Kennedy Center offer educational programming like this versus just strictly doing dance programs at Evening of Dance? Well, to me, it's like I'm passionate about the idea of uh, you know, engaging with people on a, on a higher level than simply here it is. I hope you enjoy it. Right. Right. Uh, I want people to feel some level of involvement and ownership and engagement with the with what they're seeing because I think that's just gonna that's the deep roots that we can we have the possibility of. Mm -hmm. I also am passionate about it for the artists. I mean, I am so vested in Tyler knowing everything about her art form right. and having the opportunity to not only know it, but to try it, to get in, to do it and try new things always. Again, something new that'll inform something else. And it's all about that. So for the Kennedy Center, which, you know, has these principles based on, you know, belief systems, you know, it's philosophically sound. It's not just here's a, we're going to put on some nice shows. Yeah. Right. I think that that idea is baked in here. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, Bernstein's example specifically for me speak that, you know, that's how you create people who literally to this day, they'll say, oh my God, I remember I was one of those people at the young people's concerts and they yeah. love right. music and they know something about it and they have a personal handle on it. I think that's the essential thing. And Kennedy Center specifically, uh, I think because it's, you know, in that position in the, you know, in the name of John F. Kennedy, has that as a both a right and an obligation, uh, and you know it goes right down to Turnaround Arts, which is now their their program created under Barack Obama, President Obama, uh, and Committee on the Arts, which I was a part of, to bring arts to some of the nation's most underserved schools. Now housed here at the Kennedy Center, so you have the extreme of like, hey, on one hand, we are talking about the most sophisticated kind of 
apogee of choreography done by Robbins with, you know, Tyler Peck. And, you know, we're mm-hmm. like doing this. And on the other hand, over in Anacostia talking about what it means to, to be on time and to, to, to count together and to sing together and to dance together. That's good. That's Kennedy Center. Oh. Love that. So on that note, we'll just wrap up with a few uh, fast questions uh, for our lightning round. Do we do this with you? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Is there a it's, it's not buzzer? Or... No, no. Can uh, you miss? Can you... <laughs> you can skip if you want. No. So uh, we'll start uh, with your favorite Robin's ballet. We didn't specify to dance or to watch. How about each? Each, maybe. Oh, I think dances. Fancy. Ugh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, favorite Robin's Ballet to dance. I wish we would have done dances together. I was going to ask if you had. That would have been really fun. He was the best brown boy. Oh, my God. Many times. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to say dances. Okay. We're going to say dances. Okay. Um, So is there a dream Robin's role that you have not danced? Maybe one, Damien, for you that got away in your career that you didn't get an opportunity to do? Interesting. Um, wow. Uh, I've never done the concert or the cage. (gasps) Really? Okay. Those are good choices. Yeah. Great great. choices. Um, you know, um, let me think for a second. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, there's other parts within the same ballet that I didn't get to do. You know, I think I would have loved to have done Tony, not just riff. Mm. I think I would have liked to do, um, you know, from a watcher sense, and I'm I'm not I have to I I'm too young for this. Um, but watermill maybe someday, you know, just that idea of like life going by and it taking that long. That's a that's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. So, what Robin's ballet that is either extinct or rarely performed, but you like to see brought back? See, I don't know Ive songs. You don't know Ive songs? No. I think oh, it's last really when interesting. we were in the school. Okay, more than it's been, 10 years and ago. It's, I don't think it's coming back for the celebration. Oh, it's an interesting piece. I mean, there's a lot there. And there was a lot of things that he created that didn't even make it on the stage that were amazing. Sure, yeah. Yeah. These songs that Ives did about, you know, occurrences, you know, the, the funeral of the dog. There was like this whole thing. I mean, there was a thing about the zealot, you know, preacher. Uh, there was a thing about a cowboy named Charlie Rutledge who got, you know, mowed down by the herd. You know, I mean, literally, we were all cows. <laughs> oh Charlie Rutledge and the whole thing. Oh, my God, it was so great. But he went, mm, didn't didn't get off, didn't make it. We just rehearsed it for months and go in, it would go out, boom. Um, there's a ballet by Robbins that I have been passionate about trying to put back together, but I have not been able to uh, do it because there's no video. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so maybe this will change that. Maybe somebody will hear that yeah. and say, so it's called yeah. The Guests. Uh-huh. Uh, it was his first ballet at City Ballet uh, when he uh, came on as both a dancer and his choreographer for Mr. Balanchine. And it concerned inequality uh, and it was about two groups in a department store, uh, workers who had a masked ball. And as happens at a masked ball, two, two people ended up dancing together who were of the different, uh, different races. And uh, I'm dying to see it. I just think it would be so interesting and, and necessary at this moment in time if we possibly could. There's wonderful you know, photos and there's a tiny little bit of lab annotation, but apparently Jerry threw the lab annotator out of the room. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, we haven't talked about any of the, the less happy rehearsal moments uh, with Jerry. <laughs> it was very, you know, it was, uh, there were issues of if, uh, 
temper at times. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's one. It's called The Guests. So if anybody's got a film, bring it. Let's <laughs> dig it out of the archives. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you could perform one broad Robin's Broadway show, which would it be? Uh, Fiddler. I was about to say, I would love to be in Fiddler. I want to see that bottle <laughs> dance. I mean, there's no girls. The music is so intoxicating. Yes. It's so good. Um, my friend, our friend, uh, Danny Burstein, just did that huge, beautiful revival on Broadway. Mm -hmm. uh, Bart Shear's production that. I saw, with uh, Do Bottom. Papa Schechter. Yeah, Danny's hysterical. You know, let's have a little Danny Burstein. Yes, Danny, <laughs> you're yeah. big time. You are such yeah. everything. Uh, but Fiddler as a. It's a magical world. Um, so, and I, I did it in high school. I was the fiddler in the Hollywood High School production of 1982. <laughs> uh, but I still don't feel like I've done it. Uh. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much. Thanks we really so appreciate you taking the time. Yes. Really pleasure. <laughs> Good being with you. <laughs> Join us next week for another episode from the Kennedy Center. We are pleased to be bringing you our interview with the director of the Marinsky Ballet, Yuri Fativ, and one of their star dancers, Timur Askarov. You won't want to miss this interview, so make sure you subscribe to Conversations on Dance now so you will automatically be notified when this episode goes live. For more information on performances and events at the Kennedy Center, visit kennedy-center.org. Thank you for joining us this week. See you next time. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.